Welcome to Talking Shop, the podcast all about Adobe Photoshop. Brought to you by learningphotoshop.cc. Here's your host, Dave Cross. Welcome to episode 10 of Talking Shop, the podcast all about Photoshop. I'm your host, Dave Cross. This week, have a really interesting chat with one of the rising stars of Photoshop training, Unmesh Dinda. I had the pleasure of sitting down with Unmesh at Photoshop World to chat. And just before I play that interview, let me quickly give you his background. Unmesh Dinda is a commercial retoucher and Photoshop instructor with more than a million subscribers and 500 videos on his YouTube channel, Pix Imperfect. His videos have been featured on leading industry websites such as F-Stoppers, Wacom, Shutterbug, SLR Lounge, Petapixel, DIY Photography, Retouching Academy, Imaging Resource, and more. Unmesh has been an instructor for Shutterfest, Photoshop World, and Kelby One, with articles published in Shutter Magazine and Photoshop User Magazine. Now that's his official bio, but he's also just a heck of a nice guy and a very knowledgeable person when it comes to Photoshop. So here's the chat I have with him at Photoshop World. Well, we're here with Unmesh, and he's very generously come along. We're here at Photoshop World, and we're going to do a live chat about various things. So thanks for popping onto the podcast here. Thank you for having me here, and thank you for pronouncing my name right, because it's very difficult to get it right for a lot of people. Well, it is, especially so when, when you look at the spelling, you kind of just pronounce it the way you would do phonetically. So that's yeah, why, I get it. That's why yeah. I asked to make sure, because <laughs> in it's it's like a, in a podcast a few weeks ago, my good friend Matt Kloskowski, and when he first started after I did with the Kelby company, everyone was just kind of like, Matt, you know, just kind of, <laughs> so after a while, I was like, let's just say Matt K. That's a lot that's, easier that's for, easy for people to yes. do. So for our listeners, just give me the kind of short version of, at some point you picked up Photoshop and started teaching yourself and then you progress to the point where now you have a, a huge following of people who love to watch your tutorial. So give me the sort of short version of how you got to where you are today. To cut a long story short, I got started when I was just eight years old. So um, it's interesting. My father was getting into desktop publishing. Most people don't know today what is desktop sure. <laughs> publishing, but he was just getting into it. Actually, his company was laying off a lot of people. So he wanted to get into it and he was uh, getting some coaching for it. So he got Photoshop. That time it was Photoshop 6. So he got into his computer, Photoshop 6, and he introduced me to it. And the way I learned Photoshop was it became a game to me, mm -hmm. right? Everybody else was playing games like back in the days, it was Mario and all sure. those games, yeah. So Contra, but I was playing all the time with Photoshop, like pushing every buttons, going through every menu and, um, you know, playing with layers and stuff. You know, you remember in those days we didn't have um, internet. Mm -hmm. So everything I learned, most of it in the beginning was trial and error. Sure. And then when I got more interested into it, like, five to six years later, I got some books. Like, uh, I don't know if you remember it, uh, the Photoshop Bible or mm -hmm. something like yeah. that. There are a lot yeah. of books mm -hmm. here and there. So I read it a little bit. So it gave me an idea, but I really got into it, like very, very interested. It was four, four years ago. Like I had to get into it because of the college work I had to do. So I was doing a degree in mass media and advertising. So. I used to get assignments to probably design a poster, book mm -hmm. cover, or um, do a journalism project. So lots of projects in media really engaged me in Photoshop. And if there was a group project, I was always the Photoshop guy. <laughs> sure. So that's how it got started. Now, when when you were that eight to 10 year old and you were, said you were kind of playing, were you 
trying to do specific things? Like I want to take this photo and combine it with this photo, or is it just kind of more? It was experimentation? fun. It was it was fun. You know what I what I used to do? I had a ton of pictures of my relatives on my computer. So I used to turn them in green like Hulk. <laughs> I used to change the heads. I used to make b- body parts bigger, smaller. <laughs> and it was all the fun stuff that I used to do. Like it was, again, it was a game. So I used to do all the crazy things that children did with scissors and stuff. They would cut it and paste it somewhere mm-hmm. else, you know, paint a mustache on it. I used to do that in Photoshop. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when I when I hear you say that, one of the things that I talked about in a, a recent episode of this podcast was how photographers always talk about practicing with their camera, but Photoshop users hardly ever talk about practicing. They always just have to do some task. But that idea of making it kind of a fun game, if we remember any game you played, because it was fun, you didn't really realize you were learning along the way, right? Exactly. So it it is a game indeed, because there's, there's no limit to what you can do with Photoshop. With Lightroom, there is. Mm-hmm. There, there's a wall that you hit. Sure. But with Photoshop, anything you can imagine, you can do it. Right. Like you want to create an art, you can do it. Actually, both of my parents are artists. Mm-hmm. There was that thing in my blood though. So sure. I always wanted to create art in Photoshop. And there was, I don't know if you remember, there was this plugin called KPT. Oh yeah, Kai's Power Tools. Yes. <laughs> so I had, in that there was one, I don't know how to pronounce it. There was one called KPT Goo, G-O-O. Yeah, it was goo, yeah. Right. Yeah, so before Liquify, it was KPD, <laughs> G-O-O, and it, it gave you the power to animate yeah. the faces and turn. <laughs> I used to do that a lot. That was a fun game. So it was all fun playing along with so photos. So this is where I, I show the difference in our age because I was at Macworld Expo many years ago and saw Kai do a demonstration in this room. And it was funny because he was working, it was his company, but Mm -hmm. he was like the creative guy. And at one point he was like, I'm not really supposed to show you this, but, and you could see people kind of on the side going, no, 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 no. And he was like, but this is really cool. And he just started showing stuff that probably was not even beta yet, but he was just so excited about it that he wanted to share wow. this software with people. By but, the, uh, talk, speaking about, Kai, uh, what is it? I tried to search it again after so many years. I couldn't find anything. What's happening to that? That's an interesting, I mean, I remember a while back kind of going, he was like, well, the first person that created like those plugins that we're now used to in Photoshop. Mm-hmm. And his was very unusual because if you remember, there weren't a lot of like, you didn't type in numbers, you kind of hovered over a 3D ball and it would do things. <laughs> so a lot of people felt he was very innovative. And then he just kind of fell off the face of the earth. And I remember several years later looking and he was like living in a castle in Germany, working on some secret project. And that was probably you know, 15 years ago, so I don't really know whatever happened to him. Yeah, because I tried to, to him. search him on Google. I tried to search KPT. It's like all of the web pages are like 10 years old. Yeah, Did it's, it's unfortunate because he really was, I think he was ahead of his time because, and I think part of the problem, in my opinion, was that some of the things he did, like the, the result was just kind of more goofy than it was practical. Yes, so a that's lot of people true. would go, "Well, I'm I'm using Photoshop for business, so I don't need a you know a plugin mm-hmm. that does that." But some of the principles of what his stuff did was definitely could have been more useful. But he was more kind of into the weird interface and and human interaction kind of stuff where everyone else is like, I just want to type in 12. You know, and I don't want to hover over a blue orb and, and then next yes. time not be able to do it. So at a certain point, you were at this stage and then what when was the what was the first thing that led you say, maybe I could do a tutorial, record a tutorial for tutorial other people? Tutorial on that? 
the thing is, um, as a media student, I always wanted to be in front of the camera. So it is mm. something which I always wanted to do. But to be in front of the camera, you have to have something. Also, the other one of my other, um, you know, interests or passion always was teaching. So I have taught HTML coding. I've taught a lot of things, mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter what I teach. Maybe if just everything shuts down today, I hope it won't, but let's say <laughs> Adobe shuts down, sure. I'm gonna start with the physics channel. Hmm. So it's like, I love teaching no matter what it is. So I knew Photoshop, I, I wanted to do teaching. So that got me, that gave me an idea. Well, I can start putting out some content and teach people. Mm-hmm. And in the beginning it was very, um, it can be discouraging though, because you create a lot of videos and you put do a lot of hard work and you think, like I thought my content was really good, but now when I look back at back at it, I, I've just just made deleted some videos and made some private. I don't want anybody to watch them. But at the time, I mean, that was yeah. You, know. you put so much um you know heart and to it, you, you know blood and sweat to it that you really think that was real good, and you get no followers. It's like ten. 15 and <laughs> most of them are your family members <laughs> so it was discouraging but again uh, one of the things uh, that kept kept me inspired was other inspirational creators because when i looked at uh, people like uh, many of you guys might know mkbhd he is the top tech guy on youtube and those people they started very early and they made a hundred videos to get 78 followers mm. So that really got me inspired. Sure. Well, and, that, and that's good to know that that at some point that work is going to pay off. Because I think some people would have at a certain point gone, okay, this isn't this isn't worth the effort to do all this and, and not get that kind of response. But I think the thing that you said there that was the key point for me, and I think it, it definitely shows, is that you love to teach. Because as you and I both know, you there's lots of YouTube videos out there where someone just decides... I'm going to tutorial because maybe I'll make a bit of money yeah. off YouTube. But <laughs> the question it's what questionable whether the educational value, let's just say, exactly. is is kind of exactly. questionable. When you when your goal is, it totally depends. Now we are going a little off track, but then again, when you want to teach because you love to teach and you don't care about money or income, it automatically comes. Mm-hmm. That's right. It, it, it Every time it automatically comes, if you just do what you love, like I always love to give, 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 never expect anything, mm-hmm. it comes automatically. Yeah. I don't have to ask people for it. It does. Well, and I think a good indication of that, I mean, fact that there's a lot of people out there teach Photoshop, but here you are teaching at Photoshop World and there you were teaching at Shutterfest. And I mean, that doesn't happen unless people see the value in what you do oh, as well, an educator. Because Thank otherwise you. it would be like, we'll just pick this guy from down the road, not someone who's on the other side of the world. Right. Exactly. You've been teaching here for a long time. Mm-hmm. It's amazing, though. Well, really. and, and that's I feel the same way because this is my I always get confused, but I want to say it's either 28th or 29th Photoshop world. Uh-huh. And I still get the same excitement about I get the opportunity to share with people and see that look on their face when you say something. They go, oh, that's what that means, you know. I mean, there's something really unique about that, and, exactly. and that's that's the beauty of teaching at a live event. I mean, it's great to record videos, but then you're like talking to a camera, imagining True. there's someone there, True. and hoping that they're nodding their head, going, "Yes, I I get that. I totally you get know? that." Because live events, I love it more than video, way more mm-hmm. than video, because it has the interaction, right? That 
and after a point of time, you do get bored doing videos because you're speaking to yourself. <laughs> so, you know, and even if you're looking at the camera, you're looking at yourself, it does get a little boring. But when you teach to people, you know what's great about teaching people? You can do the same material again and again. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's true. And and one of the so years ago, I used to do the seminar tour. I do five cities in five days, and it was the same seminar each day. Uh-huh. And the first week I did it, I called the company that was hiring me to do it. I said, "Can next time can I not do five days?" And they said, "They're always five days in a row." So I just had to kind of get used to it. And one of the things that was the hardest was by the Thursday Friday to make those people feel the same as the people on Monday. Mm-hmm. So to try and develop a way where I would try to make it seem like, oh, here's an idea, even though I'd said the same thing every day, I kind of <laughs> try to make it feel like it was like, hey, I never thought of this before, just so that they didn't feel like, wow, this guy sounds like he's been saying this an awful lot. So I did, I can't even imagine how many cities that same seminar tour, and it would update occasionally for you know the new version of Photoshop, but it was pretty much the, the same, same thing. So I got to the point where, I would probably tell the same joke at around the same time of every day, but I would try. The people wouldn't hopefully feel that they wouldn't feel like it was a you know a standard routine where I was hitting the play button on the tape recorder. And I think that's I think I I feel the same way when I watch you teach a video that you probably taught that elsewhere many times, but it doesn't you don't feel that way. It doesn't feel like it's old hat or the thing about video is you always have to come up with something new. Mm-hmm. I cannot teach the old stuff because if I do, there will be people in the comments, hey, you're just remaking your own videos again. It's like, so I have to always come up with new stuff in the video. So for me, like right now, I have made about 500 videos, all new stuff. So for me right now to come up with something new, it's getting more more and more difficult as we progress because there's nothing that, there's a lot of things that I have touched already. There's very less left. Yeah, there's unlimited possibilities. But then again, there are just a couple of things that people want to learn. Mm-hmm. So it does get difficult. But in events like this, you can pick up a topic, do it again. Just like, for example, right now we are doing a topic and we're going to do the same in Vegas, right. Photoshop World. Mm-hmm. So that's not going to be an extra work for me to prepare the lesson plan. Sure. Because when I was getting started now, I I'm not as experienced as you are. I just got started last year when it comes to teaching uh, in person. So uh, always every class that I did and I have done up until now, it's always new material. Mm -hmm. So it got very difficult (laughs) because I had to sit and prepare for weeks for new material and, you know. (laughs) Now, when you are coming up with ideas for videos, how often, I imagine with the number of followers that you have, you get people giving requests? Do you have like a place where people kind of submit those ideas or are they just comments that come in on videos that say, oh, I wish you would, would you do a, you know, a video on this topic? So here's what I do. I regularly, probably once a month, make a post. What do you want to learn? So it gets a lot of comments and that I use as an idea box. So interestingly, I was talking to uh, Meredith Meredith Mm -hmm. from Adobe yesterday, and she told me that when you post a post like this, what I do, she copies all those comments and pastes (laughs) on. So so Adobe gets an idea of what people uh, want to learn and 
what they that's actually an, an interesting you should bring that up because i was talking to someone uh, earlier today actually here at photoshop world who said they almost said like does Adobe really listen to their users. I'm like, they do. They do. They, they really, really do. really do. And and I told the story to to them that years ago, I was visiting Adobe in San mm-hmm. Jose and talking with one of the product managers. And I kind of asked that question. I said, "Do you guys like? Do you have to have thousands of people request something before you consider it?" And he said, "Not at all." He said, in fact, there's a feature of Photoshop, and I'm not going to tell you what it is because it's a little embarrassing that one person wrote in, hey, you guys should do this. And they all kind of went, oh, that's brilliant. And they put in a feature because one person had an idea. So when he told me that, I was like, well, that kind of makes the point that, that so anyone out there who's thinking, I have this idea, but oh, they probably won't listen because I'm just one person. There are avenues where you can get that idea to Adobe and you never know that might be you might be the one that they're like oh that's exactly. a great idea all the time and a lot of people what they don't utilize is that they have this Adobe subscription but the subscription comes with Adobe help right a lot of people don't use it mm-hmm. like i had this problem with my computer that whenever i would start uh, 3d in photoshop it would crash so they remotely connected to my computer and fixed it nice so it was 2 years ago or something so yes People don't utilize it and they begin to ask us, I, I'm sure you have got questions like that. Very, very technical question. Mm-hmm. Like my Photoshop is crashing while I do this or this setting is not working. Like I say, I'm not an engineer. You haven't, you have an Adobe plan, just ask for help. Right. <laughs> People don't do that. And that's funny though, because I would say that the most common question I get, which I always kind of look, well, I can't look at the people because I'm getting them through email, but I kind of probably uh-huh. roll my eyes because they start the question was, how come Adobe does this? I'm like, I don't know because I don't work for Adobe. I would ask the same question sometimes, but it's like, sometimes it's like, you'd have to ask them that question because they'll say, why does did Adobe decide to do this? I'm like, mm, yeah, I don't know. Why do they call it unsharp masks? <laughs> yeah, Somebody exactly. asked me. <laughs> so there, there's a few ones that... Uh, Years ago, I remember when I worked with Scott Kelby at his office, often when there were new versions of Photoshop, someone from the Photoshop team would come into our office to kind of give us an update on, Mm -hmm. you know, what they were thinking of implementing. And at least one time, I remember, I couldn't remember what the function was, but it was kind of cool. And they went under the menu and it had the most bizarre name. And it was because from an engineering standpoint, it did like... I don't know, say algorithm interpolation, but that's what they called it. I'm like, nobody is going to understand what that's for. <laughs> like if it's to fix red eye, call it fix red eye. Don't call it some other name. But that was part of the problem that the engineer would develop some pretty cool feature. But the name was like, you need a bit of help with <laughs> exactly. the way. But luckily that they continue to expand their their team. So now they have lots of people and they get that feedback you know, to uh, to know what's going to make a made a better sense to users. There's always going to be things like that, and there are still things like that in Adobe, which if you change the name would make more sense. Like uh, a lot of people, I studied physics, so I the the reason why this is one of the big reasons why I I, I can explain stuff easily and break it down to people because I mostly studied physics. So all of the stuff regarding the colors and the luminance values, just I can put it in numbers. So I understand what high pass does in in physics. Mm -hmm. So I understood the setting. But if somebody's new to Photoshop and from, uh, you know, creating art with Photoshop, 
they won't understand the term high pass, what it means sure. and what it does. So there are a couple of things that can get a lot of people confused. Mm-hmm. Cool. We're going to continue this very interesting chat in just a minute. But first, it's time for the tip of the week. Here's a Photoshop tip that can be really helpful, especially if you're into retouching. And that is, let's say you have a portrait and you want to remove the blemishes. Sometimes what happens is you really cannot see them properly. And this trick will help you visualize and see all the imperfections on the face. So all you got to do just above your subject layer, create a black and white adjustment layer. And to do that, you can always click on the adjustment layer icon and choose black and white. So you have the black and white adjustment layer and and, and into that, all you have to do is to take the reds all the way to the left-hand side. Now, what what you're getting right now, just don't show this to the model. (laughs) Don't. She or he will be (laughs) devastated, demotivated. Just don't show it. And don't try this on your face, you'll be discouraged too. Now, once you have done that, you will see all the blemishes, imperfections, wrinkles, everything that's on the skin. Now, below that, you can create a blank layer, work on the blemishes with the patch tool, or whatever is your favorite, the healing brush tool, and you can work on that. Now, when you after you work on that, you can always delete or turn off the black and white adjustment layer. Also, um, do keep in mind when you're working with the healing brush tool, just make sure in the sample area, current and below is selected. We don't want to sample from the black and whites. With short tutorials, in-depth multi-lesson courses, and live Q&A sessions, learningphotoshop.cc provides the Photoshop training you need to succeed. All right. So you mentioned earlier your background in, in physics and how that's helped you. And at the same time, you're also getting, obviously, responses from people who watch your video and say, oh, this was helpful. And can you talk about that? For someone who's, let's imagine we're someone who's listening who's pretty good at Photoshop. You know, mm-hmm. they know the basics. They feel comfortable with, you know, kind of getting around and understand the layers to a large degree. What would you say for someone in that case would be kind of the next step, the next thing that they should focus their attention on to continue to get better if they were kind of deciding what things should I try and learn or get better at? I would say that it totally depends on what are your goals. I never look at it as like I have to get better at Photoshop. I even say I probably know just 10% of Photoshop, but that 10% is 95% of what I do. So whatever your goal is, whatever your end result is, whatever you want to achieve, that's going to determine what you have to learn. So again, my style is not starting from A and going to Z. My style is just diving in between and figure things out. You have Google. So let's say you want to get into nightscapes. You want to create star trails. So you look at the photo. You ask yourself, what do you want? And then understand, once you have understood the concepts, as you said, he, he pretty knows, he pretty much knows most of the things. Then you go try those tools and try to achieve the results according to what your goal is. So... But again, at the end of the day, even if you know 10% Photoshop and that's 95% of what you do, 
you know, you know it pretty well. Sure. That's a really good point because um, I'd recently did a questionnaire for all the people on my email list to find out things like what's their biggest challenge. And there, there was a fairly high percentage of people that had an answer somewhere around, I feel like I'm never going to learn at all. And my response was, well, you don't have but to. unless you plan to teach Photoshop, why, you, don't have, you to. don't have to. And I think that that's a really strong point is that look at it from a task perspective. Like I want to create a photograph that looks like this, whatever that might be. So what are the tools that will get me to that? And then those are the ones you try and learn instead of I need to go through the toolbox and figure out every single tool. I tell people all the time, I talk to very experienced, like high-end Photoshop users uh -huh. who use I think there's 69 or 68 tools in Photoshop, and they said I probably use like eight on a regular basis. <laughs> and I have an, an idea of what the others do, but I don't feel badly exactly. that I don't True. know them because I, for the work that I do, I don't need them. True. And for example, let's say you love photographing portraits. You really do. You capture dreamy, those fantasy portraits. You don't need to learn about exposure bracketing. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make sense. So you only need to know or learn the things which you are excited about. It's important. Excitement is the most important thing because if you're not excited about it, you're not going to learn it anyway. Right. That's, a, that's such a, an important point because, again, as, as part of the survey, there were people that were like saying, I feel like I don't have enough time to learn everything. Exactly. And it's like, well, then just <laughs> find the time to learn the stuff that excites you and that gets true. you True. Very true. For sure. So uh, a lot of people ask me, um, Unmesh, where do I get started? Tell me one video where I can, I, I hope you get the same question a lot. Yep. Tell me <laughs> where's the A so that I can go to Z. Where is it? I always tell them, here's what I did. It might not work for a lot of people. I can speak for other people. But what works for me is that I always look at it as what do you want to create? So if you just want to cre recreate the uh, face of the mask, if you have seen the movie mm -hmm. with Jim Carrey, well, type it on YouTube or type it on how to change the color of the skin and just watch that video. And if things in that video are not making sense, you go to Google and just look for what is a blend mode. So I like totally diving in right in between and then figuring things out. That way you're also excited. And in the process, you learn the basics automatically. Sure. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. And I think I also hear people it's almost like, you know, that expression, fear of missing out. They, yeah, they true. have this fear, like, if I don't learn everything, I might, you know, might not, my workflow might not be ideal or I might be working too hard. And and I've always said, and Matt and I talked about this in a re recent episode, was use whatever tools that give you the result you want. I mean, That's you and it. I could probably both give them ways that might be a little faster. But the bottom line is, if you get the work done that you're, and you're happy with it, why worry that, oh, maybe there was a different tool I could have been using? I mean, if you get a nice image that you print out and hang up on your wall, no one's going to walk in your living room and go, now, did you use the spot healing <laughs> brush or did you? I mean, That's it doesn't funny. matter, right? It's like the, the image is what it's all about. And as long as you're happy, that's the important thing. Totally. It's about, I used to be scared of that. And a lot of people, I I think they do. It's because when you, when you read a book, like when you have a book with lots of lesson on it, you fear, I feared to skip to lesson number six, which I wanted to learn 
because I would miss out on stuff. So mm -hmm. I would start from the very beginning of the book to get to lesson six, but then I would get so bored that I would never get to lesson six. Right. And that's the mistake people do. They don't, oh, that's interesting. But for that, I don't want to miss out on stuff. So I, I'll start from the very beginning and then they lose interest. <laughs> Very true. All right, I'm going to switch gears on you here. And I've asked this question to each person I've interviewed. So it's kind of a, an out there question, but what the heck. So if <laughs> suddenly next week you became the president of Adobe and you can do anything you wanted to Photoshop in terms of adding, removing, whatever, what's the first thing or a couple things you might want to do to Photoshop? Oh, damn, you're putting me on spot. <laughs> um, the first thing that I can think of on top of my head right now, it's it's a little specific thing, but I would really, really want Photoshop to do it. And that is sharpening on an adjustment layer. Yes. Oh my God, I really, <laughs> really want to do it because the thing is you add sharpening at the top, whatever method you use, you use high pass, you use smart sharpen, whatever, and you change something at the bottom, you got to again apply sharpening. Yeah. So if there was, they could like, Create, of course they can do it. If they, that's not a hard thing to do. If they could create sharpening on an adjustment layer, it would be game changing. I've told this to Adobe, but I don't know. When are they gonna do it? <laughs> so far, I've gotten some pretty interesting things from the people I've interviewed. So by the time I'm finished, I'm gonna have this big long list to say, okay, Adobe, it's, it's all up to you now. We're giving you all the ideas. It's all gold. Now you just have to have to do it. Um, like so really, yes. So with the the high volume of users that you reach mm -hmm. through your YouTube channel, just so the listeners know, where, where are you at these days with, you have like some crazy number of I subscribers. I have about 1.1 million subscribers on YouTube, then about, not so much on Instagram, about uh, something above 100K. I don't remember the numbers. Sure. And that is that is about it. Then we have Facebook. But the thing about it is this. If you have a lot of numbers on YouTube, that doesn't mean anything unless you have a community. Yes. So I would say that I have a really strong community on Facebook. I just have 20,000 followers on my personal profile, 26 or something, but they are a real good community. If I post about, let's say, I want help with this, this thing, it would get tons of comments and tons of people reaching out to help. But when I post on YouTube that I need help with something, even though I have a million followers, very few people would show up. Sure. So yes, it's it's mostly about community. And of course, the other side of that is, and, and it's the, the negative part of YouTube is, it, is oh, the people yeah, that, that just can get so mean and it's kind of like, really? It's nasty. Well, you know, I don't, I've never understood that because whatever it is, whether it's jealousy or something, it's just like... What compels people to write whatever the comment is that, I mean, even if like I, you know, I see YouTube tutorials all the time that I'm thinking to myself, well, I wouldn't have done it that way or I mm -hmm. would have done it. I think this is a better mm -hmm. way, but I certainly wouldn't chime in there and say, hey, you should have done it this exactly. way. And, you know. and there are people who would write essays and essays <laughs> and essays, spend all their time with that. And what most interesting is it's okay. If you critique my work, it's fine. You're welcome to do it. And, you know, you want to be an expert. You want to be smart, of course. I encourage you. And sometimes I'm, whatever you post, I'm going to take that idea and create a video out of it and make money off of you. <laughs> please post it. Please yeah. post all the ideas you can. Sure. Thank you. But what <laughs> is annoying is, like, I love people. I smile at them all the time. And I really respect 
you and a lot of people. So I smile a lot in videos. And there were people com commenting like, are you autistic? You're smiling so much. <laughs> That's just I, wrong. What? <laughs> I mean, of anything to complain about is like, you're a happy person that's the joy of teaching and someone finds yeah. a reason to complain about that. It just, that just astounds me that, that people are like that. And, and, and the fact that, and it's, it sounds very philosophical, but our society's got to the point where people feel it's okay to do that because they're under some username Yes. You know, and no one yes. will know who they are. And I'm and this is my generation speaking where I'm always thinking, well, I never would say that to someone in person. So why, why is it OK to say why? it as a comment? I mean, and what purpose does it serve? And, you know, when I when I was working with Scott, he used to joke about, you know, we'd get these mean comments and he's like, oh, he's just a 12 year old in his underwear <laughs> in his basement. You know, it's like which may or may not be true, but it's, it's still I'm like, but, you know, even then it's like your parents didn't bring you up right if you're not, you know, exactly. Very true. <laughs> I mean, you know, I've, I've watched many of your videos and I've I've seen you teach in person and you're very personable and you it's clear Thank to you. me that the approach you take, it's mm -hmm. not there's nothing artificial. It's you really are. You know, your your goal is to help people and to share your knowledge and to help them. So how anyone can turn that into a negative just doesn't make sense to me. But I guess, unfortunately, that's the, yeah. the world of YouTube. And, you know, <laughs> yeah, whenever you have a platform like that, whatever it is, Instagram. Now, people don't do that on Facebook so much because they have a profile. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I'm glad you brought up the idea of community because one of my favorite things is is when I see someone like I'm, I've joined a bunch of Photoshop groups, Facebook groups, just to see if I can chime in. But I don't really get that much opportunity to, to visit that often. Mm -hmm. And almost all the time, I'll see a question and go, oh, I could help. And I look and there's already 46 comments of people and they're mostly trying to be very helpful. And I'm like, mm -hmm. well, that's great that people are trying to help each other. Now, sometimes, unfortunately, they're there are say they're misguided, stuff. but they just yes. don't know because they're like, or they'll say something like, I don't really know that tool, but maybe you could try this, which is still nice that they're mm -hmm. trying to help. But sometimes there was one occasion recently where someone asked a question about editing a, a video. They had a short video clip that was overexposed. And someone said, I'm wondering how in Photoshop I could fix it. And the first four comments were, you can't edit video in Photoshop. And I was like, um... Actually, you can. <laughs> you and, can. But they were making it sound like it was impossible as opposed to, it's well. Like it's not made know, for it. It's not made for it, but you can do it. And and so I didn't want to, you know, make a point, but I, I contacted her and I said, hey, listen, if you want to send me your video, uh -huh. I'll record a short tutorial showing how to do it. In part because I also wanted to make the point that while it's great that you're motivated to try to help people, perhaps you shouldn't answer if you're not 100%. I mean, these people seem very adamant about you can't. And may, I thought maybe they have Photoshop CS5 or something where you, yeah, you couldn't do video. True. And I was very quick to say I wouldn't do a half hour video in Photoshop. But this was literally a minute, probably 45 second clip that she didn't realize her camera was on some setting. So it was now mind you, it was so overexposed, I couldn't really recover but at least i was able to show look you can add adjustment layers to video and change this and you know so again that's but the good part of community is most of the time and i'm sure you see that it's in your community that that there is that feeling of no one's trying to prove anyone wrong they're just trying to provide something to help well that's why you have admins 
<laughs> True. <laughs> and moderators. <laughs> my only, my, so this is my pet peeve time is that I don't know what your opinion is, but one of the things that, that I find is, has become common enough that it kind of bothers me is when someone does a, yeah, I don't know what they call it, but like the speed recording. Oh, where yeah. all you see is things flashing on the screen. At oh, the yeah. end, it's a finished product. I'm like, especially if they're trying to say that it's a tutorial, because I don't know how anyone can learn from, from something that, that true. It's one thing to sort of go, oh, that's kind of neat that they created that. But to say, and somehow I'm going to learn because all I'm seeing is that's things not... flashing on the screen. It's like, I don't get that one. Photoshop is an art, but you know that teaching is an art in itself, too. Mm -hmm. Sure. So... If I don't like videos like that too at all, because and if you call that a tutorial, then I don't like it. But if you call that it's just a video of my speed art of that stuff, it's right. it's fine. Yeah, it's like you're kind of need to see what yes, people are doing. People are doing to, it. It's a good to make thing it to seem see. like it's like a, learn from this. It's just like uh, those speed sketch videos that come up, as opposed to a teacher teaching you how to sketch. Right. So again, yeah. So we're gonna wrap things up and I just ask you one more uh, quick question. Sure. And that is if, well, first of all, let me, two things. Where's the best place for people to see more of your stuff and see your tutorials, et cetera? The, the best place would be to go to biximperfect.com. That also links to my YouTube channel, which is the best place, but it's P-I-X-I-M-P-E-R-F-E-C-T.com. And also, you can find me on YouTube. You can just type my name, Unmesh Dinda, or you can just type in Piximperfect or youtube.com slash Piximperfect. <laughs> it's the same username all the way through Instagram, Facebook, and everything. You can just find cool. me there. Yeah. Okay. And the last thing, fill in the blank. My favorite Photoshop tool is? Can I name an adjustment? <laughs> sure. Curves. All right. Because? If there's one thing you need to learn in Photoshop, that is curves. Right. No matter what you do, retouching, compositing, designing, Curves is going to help you all the time. Anything you want to do, you can just, there's going to be a role that Curves play. Right. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you, Unmesh, so much for joining me in the podcast. It's been thank a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for having me. You. It's been double pleasure for me, too. Awesome. Thanks so much. <laughs> Keep creating. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe and tell your Photoshop using friends. Find us at TalkingShop.show. This podcast is not authorized, endorsed, or sponsored by Adobe, publisher of Photoshop.